This is Amateur Logic, episode 145 for July 15th, 2020. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Get out and be active with the perfect QRP companion, ICOM's new IC705 and its optional multifunction backpack. Hi, welcome to another entertaining episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. And we have a fun show lined up tonight. You know, it's been real hot over here in the U.S. and I think up in Canada as well. But that hasn't stopped us. We've actually ventured outdoors and done a few things. And uh, we've got some good video coming up for you tonight. Tommy, what have you been up to? Well, uh, it, you know, field day just recently passed, so I kind of ventured out on my own and uh, did a little field day venture. A little, not your standard stuff like normal, but, but uh, anyway, we'll check it out a little bit. I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. For a while, while it lasted. Emil, what about down there? Well, down here we survived the heat and humidity of field day by going over to a fellow uh, W5SLA club members barn slash farm and enjoyed uh, some times there learning some things, putting the things together. And then we kind of operated from home because this year the rules changed on the uh, field day. So we had a good time. Uh, sounds like a good deal. I didn't get to really do field day this year. I did make about 16 contacts here in the shack. I ended up having to work some that weekend. So it just really didn't didn't work out where I could could go out and do anything, but at least Tommy managed to get over and use that pavilion we had reserved over in the park. But that's okay. We reserved another one and got some great video here we're going to be looking at a little bit later tonight. Mike, did you do anything for field day this year? I'm afraid I didn't do anything for field day this year. I've been pretty busy. Um, I did a little bit of listening, but no contacts, and... Um, for some reason, I I didn't find the bands were all that active uh, from from past field days and even from a couple of weeks ago um, with the VHF contest, um, the bands were pretty good. But um, I think uh, there was a lot of activity uh, with the digital modes, um, but not so much with the uh, phone modes. Um, CW is always active, of course, but um, yeah, I didn't work any, but I I did some listening. Cool. Okay. Well, it sounds like we've got a fun show lined up for tonight. Let's get on in. Emil, you have an actual email tonight, I think. That's right. Emil has an email from Randy, AB9GO, up in Indiana. 
and uh, he must have heard my uh, plight for the chewed instructions from my dogs from the kit that VE3MIC sent me, uh, the Methany uh, Storm Alert uh, project here, and he he uh, wrote to me. Here's contact info for the person that made the kit. They were popular in southeast Indiana as we used to be a part of a mini tornado alley. In recent years, the alley seems to have shifted about 50 miles north. They were also used as an alert for club events. Larry would likely have a copy of the build instructions. think he would be happy, happy to send them to you. And he gave me the contact information. So appreciate that, Randy. And it's always good to see the fans listening in and chipping in when we uh, have dogs that really like plans. Yeah, it looks like Fluffy there likes those instructions, too. So there, there is something to the dog ate my homework, then. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Not only the hats. It's not just the hats. You know, it's the homework, too. Okay. Well, we're going to go to your segment here first tonight. You want to set it up? Yeah. Um, like I said, when in field day, um, we got together at a... a for the W5SLA 2020 Field Day under the new rules, uh, which they've allowed us to aggregate all of our individual scores under the club call. And we actually went out into the field earlier that they learned some things, broke some things, fixed some things, built some things. So check it out. Hey, George, Tommy, Mike, and Amateur Logic TV viewers. So this year, in 2020 W5 SLA Field Day, we got together at a fellow Ham's barn slash farm in Covington, Louisiana, and decided to uh, learn how to build an Alpha Delta antenna out and find a place to put it, make it work, and heck, we even learned some things from some of our own club's uh, broadcast professionals. And, you know, got to get that thing in the air. So we had to find a target, acquire it, and somehow get it up there. And we had all the support and fun and help we needed. So we did it and uh, made some good contacts with that setup uh, this year. Lots of uh, lots of heat out there, as I'm sure everybody knows. But uh, we we suffered through it and made it work. Got on the air and uh, had good, really good supervision as well. Um, yeah, that's our host there, WB5, WD5BJR. So this year was a little different from some of the rules, right? The the rules are changed where you could. Uh, submit for as an aggregate uh some contacts of your club so those own amateur radio club had a uh site established here and we all submitted our individual logs to that which they'll aggregate we even used a shared logs system in google just to uh, try to coordinate along with zoom uh to try to get us uh all on the same frequency in the same place so that along with our club's extensive set of repeaters with analog, digital, and linked up uh, modes. Another great aspect of being in W5SLA's club is the rich history 
And just seeing the levity in some of these articles from uh, the older field day pictures and articles are an awesome thing. And finally, I just want to pay my respects to one of our club's Elmers and leaders, presidents, Hamfest chairman in the past, 73WB9SUG. <laughs> You had asked me recently, did I remember him? And uh, actually, I do now. I didn't when you asked, but I met him. It's, it may have been in Slidell, somewhere down there. Oh, no doubt. He's He was always at the AmFests, and uh, he ran the thing. So if you were even talking to him as a vendor or through a vendor, he would he would probably know you or talk to you. So he's a great guy. Yeah. So what was your final score down there? Do you know? No, well, we we got quite a bit. Um, we're going to see what they actually accept, right? Because, uh, <laughs> in, in fact, they they confirmed just about all of our aggregated scores. So that's really what we know what each person did, but they let you aggregate this year if you specify the club name. Mm-hmm. And so we don't. We're trying to figure out what that's going to be um, by looking at their site. They're publishing right now, if you go look, the what's been accepted and marked as completed, right? <laughs> so uh, what, whatever has been completed is um, – <laughs> hold on a second. So whatever has been completed is, is what we're going to guess is going to wind up being the aggregate score. So we don't exactly know, but we'll see in December, right? I guess so. Well, we didn't aggregate here. I offered Tommy my 16 contacts, but he wouldn't take them. So, <laughs> and we don't really have an official club name, so I don't know. We'll have to get busy on that. Hmm. Amateur logic. Hmm. Well, you know. Probably come up with something. I was thinking D-Star crew, but I couldn't get Tommy or Mike to agree with me there. Put me yeah, the other sink crew. <laughs> <laughs> Out of sync, is that what you said? Yes, sir. That works. Well, I made a few contacts here from the shack. You know, I I ended up having to work that weekend and had a lot of other stuff going on too, but we had actually reserved a um, a pavilion at a local park here. That we were going to do field day with Ray Novak. He was going to come over, and he wasn't able to make it that weekend either. So we we weren't able to do field day with Ray, although he was here this past week, and we shot some good stuff we'll look at a little later. Tommy did take advantage of that park site, though, for, well, I don't know how long you were there, but you were doing a little different, I would call it unconventional field day this year. Yeah, it was a little unconventional. It was it was fun, nonetheless. I'm out here doing field day by myself this year, and uh, with the virus stuff going on, I decided to kind of take it easy. Instead of just sitting in the house, which is perfectly valid this year with the change of the rules, I decided to bring my laptop out and remote in and run some digital stuff from the house. I'm going to remote into my rig Pi that I've shown you in the past and run FT8 for a little while. And depending on how hot it gets out here, I may try to remote in and do some sideband stuff with it as well. 
let's go ahead and get connected. I'm going to use the hotspot in my cell phone for internet. So let's uh, go ahead and VNC in. And I went ahead and set up a VNC connection to my home. And I opened the ports before I left the house as I showed you before. And there it is. It's 1.09 my time, so field day started nine minutes ago, so I'm right on time as usual, which means I'm late. Okay, so I see people on this frequency. I'm on 14.074 on 20 meters, which is the standard FT8 frequency. But uh, like I said, I see people on it. I saw a post where they were su suggesting that you use an alternate frequency, but it looks like everybody is here. I'll see 1D, South New Jersey, so forth. So let's uh, go ahead and let's set up for field day. I went ahead and did most of the configuration, but I need to turn on the contesting mode. General. Uh, let's see where it is. Things under advanced. Special operating. AWRL field day. And I am 1 Delta Mike Sierra, Mississippi. So I'll go ahead and do that. You see it brought up my contest log. Field day is running. And it changed all of my messages here uh, to 1 Delta Mississippi for my responses. So let's see if we can find somebody hollering CQ and let's see what we got. Double click that one. Trying to make contact with him. There is a little bit of a breeze out here. It's kind of hot, but the breeze feels pretty nice. So far, I'm running off with nothing but battery. My battery on my laptop, battery for my recorder, everything is battery. And I've also got a big giant USB battery that I can plug the laptop back up if I stay out here long enough for it to go down. I went ahead and I preset my radio to to about 20 watts before I left the house so I'm running about 20 and I did verify that if you look up here at the waterfall you can see the bands really hopping there we go he heard me so there's one for the log it automatically logged it so let's do another one it's like shooting fish in a barrel it's almost too easy really I think I'm gonna go over to voice. So let's uh, let's stop this. Let's close this. Okay. Well, I was gonna show you how to do voice, but uh, they're setting up a jump bouncy castle next to me over here. But I'm gonna go ahead and switch modes anyway and show you how easy it is. So you can see I've made several contacts on digital on FT8. So I'll close that. I need to start up the audio server mumble and that's running so let's go back over here and let's start up the rig pi here we are so let's connect to the radio let's go ahead and connect to the sound and let's see
November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. That's November 5, November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. And I am a One Delta Mike Sierra, One Delta Mike Sierra, QSO. November 5, November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. That's November 5, 5. November 73 Man, I I came. That thing home. was so loud, man. That fan that keeps that yeah. thing inflated. It was so loud. You you couldn't hear it too well on the on the video, but it was it was uh, it was pretty bad. My neighbors had an inflatable water slide rented over here next door last weekend. It had two of those big blowers on it, and no joke the the water slide was taller than their house. I mean, oh wow! It was huge. I've never seen one before like that. Was it fun? Uh, well, I couldn't climb the rope to get to the top to slide down, so I don't know. Uh, they okay. seem to think it was though. Well, it looks like you had uh, some fun out there. I know it was kind of hot that weekend too. Yeah, it was. It was kind of hot, but it wasn't really too bad there at the picnic table. If that bouncy castle wouldn't have went up, I probably would have stayed a little bit longer. But I just didn't want to listen to that the whole time. So I came home and just finished field day here this year. Yeah. Well, sounds like a good time nevertheless. What about you, Mike? Did you do anything for field day this year? I did not. I've been so busy with work. Um, I did a little bit of listing. And I'm trying to remember, I don't think I even made one contact on field day. Um, all I remember is when I tuned around to bands, it was later in the evening or certainly earlier in the evening. And the, uh, the, I was surprised the bands weren't all that great, uh, at least when I tuned in anyway. Um, but I understand the digital bands did, uh, like the digital modes did well. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I did, uh, several on 10 meters and I did some 20. I don't remember if I did 40 or not, but 
I started out, okay, okay, well, I've got a 200-watt rig, and so I backed it down to 150 watts, and I said, I'm going to want to work there so I can double my points, you know. And after uh, working a little while and not really breaking any pileups, um, I decided, you know, what the heck, I'm not going to make that many contacts anyway. So I turned on the amplifier so I could at least make a few and uh, cut my score in half. But, you know. Uh, I remember was, working field day when I was uh, in my teens, and uh, I, I don't think I was licensed at the time, but uh, I remember there's one contact that I remember to this day. Um, I could hear somebody yelling in the background saying, hurry up, I'm getting tired. Well, the guy had an alternator hooked up to one of those uh, exercise bikes. Oh, and he, oh, was, he went Gilligan's <laughs> Island on him. <laughs> he certainly did. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I did something a little different, too, George. I, uh, I don't normally operate uh, 160 meters, but I decided to throw FT8 down there just to see what happened. And I wound up staying for a good hour or two. And making a bunch of contacts. So it's amazing what that mode is capable of in these conditions. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm probably the only guy here who hasn't worked FT8 yet. I just hadn't got around to it. Um, too many other things going on, keeping me off the air. So I, I will get there, though, sooner or later. Emil, have you tried that JTA, uh, JST call mode yeah. yet? Yeah, GSA call. Yes, um, mm-hmm. we just started messing with that, and uh, that's there's some very you'll see some segments on that coming. There's some very interesting networking, uh, as well as relay features in that software. So anyway, yeah, cool, cool. Well, we've got a lot more to go. We've got uh, what have we got next? Oh, we've got some antenna video. Uh, some some new antenna video, uh, some that you may not have seen before. Some great choices, but first we're going to get a message from MFJ, and we'll be right back. The world-famous R8 now has a big brother. This is the Cushcraft R9, a 31.5-foot, 25-pound vertical antenna that covers 6 through 80 meters. It is lightweight. Low profile, blends into the sky, 1,500 watts, full SSB, CW. Easy to put up in a single afternoon, and you'll enjoy it when you got weather like this today. Big Brother R9 now includes 7580 meters for local rag chewing and world band, low band DX without radials. Its omnidirectional low angle radiation gives you exciting and easy DX on all nine bands. 7580, 40, 30, 20, 17, 15, 12, 10, and 6 meters with low SWR. QSY instantly, no antenna tuner needed. Use full 1,500-watt sideband CW when the going gets tough to break through pileups and poor band conditions. The R9 is super easy to assemble, installs just about anywhere, and its low profile blends inconspicuously into the background in urban and country settings alike. It installs in an area about the size of a child's sandbox. No ground radials to bury with all RF energized surfaces safely out of reach. It's very rugged construction. 
It uses thick fiberglass insulators, all stainless steel hardware, and 6063 aircraft aluminum tubing. It's double or triple walled at key stress points to handle anything Mother Nature can dish out. It's 31.5 feet tall, 25 pounds. The mounting mast is 1.25 to 2 inches, and the wind surface area is 4 square feet. We also have the R8, which is the little brother, like the R9, but it, it does not have 75 and 80 meters. And this R8 TB tilt base lets you tilt your antenna up and down easily by yourself, so it's easy to work on. And we also have a three-point guide kit for high winds. We recommend if you mount it on the roof or any higher on a tower or something like that that you use the three-point guide kit, and that's R8GK. Thank you very much for tuning in to Amateur Logic. We appreciate it. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And that was Richard Stubbs. Wow. You know? He hasn't done many of the uh, MFJ commercials, but he did that one. We did that in Huntsville at a Gigaparts ham radio day one year. So. Oh, that same one? That, that was from then? Uh, well, I went to more than one of them. But, yeah, it was. that's where that was shot. And their that looks line. like uh, an R8 married to a butternut 80, 40 meter vertical plus a gap vertical, gap titan, all rolled into one. Yeah, and it was, you know, with that mount that he had there on the back of the truck, man, it was super easy to put up and quick, too. So Yeah, looks like a nice antenna. Yeah. A lot of bands. A lot of bands. Good performer, too. Well, I have an email here that, hey, George, Daniel here in Iowa. I'm sending good vibes your way, so all your transmitters will stay working over this coming weekend. Do you have anything that will work on six meters, piece of wire or a metal trash can lid or a fence post? Why, you ask? Well, it'll be too hot to go outside this weekend. Stay inside and enjoy some good times on six meters. This weekend, July the 18th and 19th, is the July CQ Worldwide VHF Contest on 6 and 2 meters only. It's a pretty much 6 meter only contest when the band is open. 6 meter contacts are up 30% in the last few years, probably due to all the new HF plus 6 meter rigs and WSJT FT8. Six meters was open so good in the last two years. I was working stations in Spain on single sideband. Wow. You don't want to miss out on this one. Check out the rules at CQVHF website. And that is right here. Thanks to the manufacturers adding six meters to HF radios. More HF operators are showing up on six meters every VHF contest. Please join in the fun. 73-Daniel-N-0-U-R-W. Transmitting from the cornfields of Iowa. Okay. That sounds like a plan there. If I can squeeze in some time. I don't have a... Well, my trash can lid is plastic, so I don't think that's going to radiate very well. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. I may have to... See if I can throw a piece of wire or resonant dipole out in there. One you can the slip over to your neighbors and borrow one. Yeah. There you go. Well, we promised you some antenna action. And boy, do we have some tonight. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, the guy that we stole these T-shirts from happened to be over here with a, a pile of antennas. We weren't able to steal them, but we did get to play with them a little bit. Hey, George, we're going to go out on a ledge here and talk about the difference between my personal opinion of soda antennas and poda antennas. So we're going to jump right on in the deep end. Yes, sir. The way I look at it, I'm a pretty good-sized guy, so I can carry, and I mean, I drug all this stuff out here almost in one trip, but someone a little bit smaller might not want to carry that much equipment. Yeah. So, first one is a crank IR. I call it a, a poda for parks on the air because here's your tripod, and here's your antenna case. All right, so... That's not your batteries, that's, that's not right. your radio, that's not food, water, or anything else. But it's a really nice antenna. You may just not want to carry it up the side of a mountain. Yes, sir. But it works great here in the park. Yeah. And you also got extra room to put out the counterpoise. And this that thing's what? 20 feet tall? Uh, yeah, I'd say at least 20. The next one is the Alpha Antenna FMJ. Okay. Again, that's a pretty big pack. I do have one other tripod still in it, but when you guys look at the, the antenna, you'll see that's a heavy-duty tripod. That thing's oh, yeah, that's... to take out in the field. Yeah. But definitely not one that you'd want to climb up the mountain with. Right. Now, Buddy Pole, they came out with their dipole. They've got one that you can set up into a Yagi, and I hear that they're working on a soda-type hex beam. So they're working on making things compact. When you guys look at the buddy pole dipole, everything fit in here. The tripod, the feed line, the coils, everything fit in this one pack. This is a little bit easier to carry. All right, so the tripod fit in there too? Yes, sir. So those three antennas are what I would consider our POTA, parks on the ear type antenna. Now for the 705, Looking at it being such a small footprint, you'd want a small antenna. Mm -hmm. When you guys look at the soda buddy pole uh, vertical, everything fit in this pack. And, you know, my notebook computer wouldn't even fit in that pack. Time for a new notebook, George. <laughs> no, uh, or thicker glasses if I go to a smaller one. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see it's, after I get it unhooked from here, Okay, everything's got its own place there, and just yes, sir. They they not only engineered a nice antenna, they engineered a nice carrying case for it as well. Final part of it, the soda pack being the LC one ninety two. We've got the Alpha antenna mag loop. Right there again, coax, the outer coil, what we call the Varicon. Variable capacitor, and then the RF loop. Mm -hmm. That sits on top of a, a table. It's got to be at least one loop height off the ground. Not on a metal surface like this, but... Right. So there's the difference between your soda and your POTA type antennas. Okay, because that fits right in the pack with the radio. Yes, sir. So when you're when you're looking at going up with the 
the backpack. That's still yeah, that's a small package. Mm -hmm. Because in this configuration, you can do the antenna, two antennas, the radio, extra battery packs, water bottle on the side, couple of them if you want, couple of handhelds on the front, microphone clips on. If you want to attach an antenna, mm -hmm. you've got that on the side here, the hard plastic siding. So there's all kinds of different ways that you can go climb a out here in Mississippi it'd be a big hill. Yeah. No mountains out no here. No mountains. <laughs> well cool. Well Tommy, what do you say we take a look at some of these antennas that we were just mentioning here? And we'll start by looking at the parts on the air antennas Ray was talking about. The first one, the crank IR here. I really like the design of this antenna. I've saw it uh, a few years back when they first introduced it. I, I bet this is a real good performer. Around the bottom here you can see there's the counterpoise. It's kind of strung up off the ground here, about the same height as the feed point for the antenna. And it has pulleys in the corners there, so we've got it around like, oh, sort of like a triangle right now. It also comes with some bungees here that you can hang around trees, and the wires just will swing out easy from these pulleys right here. And all of that spools up on this bottom two spools right here. Now, there's also, there's one spool here that has the cable on it, the other spool here has a black, I believe it's nylon cord. And you spool out however much of this for whichever band you're going to be operating on. Now this antenna is stock 40 meters through 6 meters. They do make an 80 meter kit for it to extend it on uh, to the 80 meter band. So that's how the counterpoise system works on the ground. You do need to spread that out the right distance the band that you want to operate and then using your antenna tuner you can tune the top element here of it the actual radiator now this is the same kind of design it's got one spool that has cable on it the other spool has the nylon cord and you crank this out depending on where you want to operate you get a rough estimate and then you fine-tune it using your your antenna um, analyzer or uh, VSWR meter or, or however you prefer to do it. Now as you turn this you'll see the wire this is like a continuous loop almost. As, as it feeds more wire up it's spooling in some of the nylon cord here. Uh, this would be the lowest frequency right here with all of it in. If I start spooling it back the black nylon cord is going up now and you can see it's the actual radiator the wire part is getting shorter and that's how we tune this and you got to think that's a pretty ingenious device right there because you're making a resonant antenna now all the the tuning and coupling are inside this box right here but so you're not trying to fake this thing off with some coils or capacitors or something like that, you're actually changing the length of the radial here 
to tune the antenna. And of course, it's got a nice fiberglass pole here. Goes all the way on up there. I'm not sure how tall this one is, but it comes down in pretty short sections, so it packs up easily. In that case that Ray showed us a moment ago. And it comes with the tripod as well, so it's a whole kit there. If you're going to work parks on the air or somewhere that you know you don't have to carry your antenna too terribly far, I mean, this would be great for field day as well. This might be one choice that you wanted to look at. We got another antenna here. This is the Alpha Antenna FMJ. This one here is uh, pretty heavy duty. It's got the uh, NVIS kit on it already. I think it's pointing maybe southeast, I believe that is. Actually, yeah, southeast. Uh, anyway, it's uh, pretty heavy. Not super heavy, but it's, it's out of all of them, it may be the most sturdy one. Um, Anyway, it's got the uh, counterpoise back here set up. It's probably hard for you to see. The aerial here, the vertical element actually unscrews, and uh, I like the way it puts together. It's like an old school tent. We used to pull the post out in there. They're spring loaded in there with the little cord. So you can pack it up in the backpack pretty small. Now I really like the tripod. It's got feet in there that you can plant it in the ground. And uh, this one feels like it would take a pretty good gust. And as far as the bands, I believe this one is uh, 40 meters through 10 meters, 6 meters, 40 through 6. This is a full power antenna. Uh, it'll take up to 100 watts. And the crank IR also will do 100 watts. So more you can use it for more than just qrp but uh, it's pretty heavy duty i really like the design of it earlier we made a contact to puerto rico on this one and uh, it sounded really good so i know it works well i have to ask a question yeah. to tommy about that last antenna and the way it folds up like a tent pole um is there there must be a wire on the inside along with the bungee cord is that how they do I, it I didn't, I didn't see a wire on there the, the outside is conductive i guess wow yeah, I, I didn't look at it that close, so I don't know. But that's not all the antennas we've got. We've got more a little later in the show here. But wait, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> but those were those are pretty good antennas there. I, yeah, I don't think I'd carry either one up a mountain though. But yeah, that second one, the FMJ, it didn't weigh near what the one that you showed weighed. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, antenna's always fun stuff to look at. That step IR would be uh, nice if uh, I was was when I was watching the uh, the video. Uh, I thought, you know what, you could probably squeeze one of those nano VNAs in there, and then you can watch uh, where your antenna's resonant as you're cranking it. Uh, that would be uh, kind of a neat little hack for that antenna. Yeah, really ingenious design there, but you know, pretty much a no-brainer. I mean, you got. You got wire, just make it a resonant length, and you know. Yeah. There you go. It's it's, it's simple, but but very smart. It's yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Our club, our club has a uh, Poda event coming up. We all go into different parks and gonna activate the whole parish, not county, but parish over here. So, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm gonna have to find me something. 
I, I was going to save it till next uh, episode for next month, but the uh, the lightship um, and lighthouse weekend is coming up in August, and that would be perfect for that. Oh hell yeah, cool. yeah, sure would. Well, we've got more to go yet, so don't go away. We'll be right back. But first, let's pay for these t-shirts. Get out and be active with ICOM's new IC705 and its optional multifunction backpack. The IC705 is your perfect QRP companion as you have base station features and functionality at the tips of your fingers and a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at 1 kilo or just over 2 pounds. With RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. 5 watt battery operation with BP272 or 10 watts with a 13.8 volt DC supply. Modes include single sideband, CW, AM, FM, as well as full D star functions. A large 4.3 inch color touchscreen and live band scope with waterfall. Integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger, micro SD card for data storage, it comes standard with the HM243 speaker microphone, and it supports QRP and QRPP operations. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the LC192 optional backpack with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about this and all the great ICOM radios. ICOM wants you to register now for QSO Today's groundbreaking virtual ham expo. This expo will be filled with virtual exhibits and guest speakers, all from the convenience of your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Visit qsotodayhamexpo.com to register. Well, Mike, I, I know you bought, well, you have the, what is it, the box of unfulfilled dreams. What do you call that special place? <laughs> incomplete dreams. Yeah, the box of uh, incomplete dreams. That just yeah. seems to get, well, the box is full to the brim now, and uh, I, I I keep adding to it. Um, I think, I think I've got another that thing box. that. I've, I've pre-ordered my my birthday present, which is coming up in a few weeks, and uh, I haven't even opened it up yet. I've been so busy with work, but uh, yeah, so so many things to do and so little time. But uh, I did get another little uh, kit, I guess you could call it, uh, recently, oh, is this and it? I really wanted to share it. No, not that one, but I have built those when I was a kid. And the reason why um, I, I chose this slide is, um, as I'll mention uh, shortly, uh, the, the cool thing about those P-Box kits that Radio Shack used to sell, um, it, they came packaged in that plastic box, and then the box actually became part of the project or part of the complete unit or the enclosure, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and uh, this is kind of the first kit, which I'm about to show you, uh, that kind of follows along those same lines. Yeah. Um, you know, those P-boxes, I had some of those kits, and I learned to solder and how not to solder. Yeah, me oh. too. Because <laughs> if you P-box. put too much heat to those little spring terminals, it melts the box <laughs> yeah. and they fall out. <laughs> exactly. 
Okay, but, so um, what do we want to look at here? Uh, let's let's go to the next slide, and um, I'll just kind of show you what this kit's all about. Um, this is kind of like the first, or I'm not sure which generation this is, um, but um, it's 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 been through a couple of generations. But this is the first one where they've they've done it as an all-in-one kit. And I thought that was pretty cool. All, all of those 10 sensors that you see there are all um, part of the board. And I'll, I'll show you the real McCoy here shortly. Um, and I, I, I had a hard time finding it, but I managed to find it on DigiKey. And um, if you're interested, you might want to note the part number down there. Um, and and the, biggest, the biggest thing that Emil's going to fly out his seat on, um, it's $20 U.S. for that kit. Nice. And I couldn't, I couldn't order all uh, those sensors and the Arduino um, uh, f- for that kind of money. It was a little more, obviously, uh, converting to Canadian dollars, but you know, I think it was still under thirty, and it's a real bargain. And and for those people who have never gotten into Arduino, this this kit is for you. I almost want to call it an experimenter's kit um, rather than a beginner's kit, but it's also a beginner's kit because. Um, there's a ton of links, which I'm putting a little booklet together and we'll post it up on the wiki. Um, but there's tons of, uh, information and I think there's, uh, 12 tutorials, uh, shows you how to do it from start to finish. And the real, the real interesting thing is the only thing you require is a computer, no soldering, no breadboards, no, you know, jumper wires or anything like that. Um, but, um, uh, it comes with uh, a newer version of what they call the Grove Black Backplane Board, and uh, all the all the modules just plug into that Backplane Board. And I think we have a slide for that one. Um, this is not yeah. Easy. So there's a picture of the older kit, um, which used to come with a separate Backplane Board, the the the, the one with all the uh, four conductor uh, terminals uh, on the board there. That used to be a separate component, and then you had to plug it onto an Arduino Uno, uh, and then you could connect uh, all of your uh, modules to it. Uh, that's the old kit, but the new one um, is is the all-in-one. Um, and as you can see here, uh, it still retains the same single uh, row header connectors for the Arduino, so you're not limited to just the uh, 10 sensor uh, modules that come with the kit. You can you can use uh, any anything that you can connect up to Arduino Uno with, um, and the Arduino Uno is actually on board. Uh, they call it a Cedino um, Lotus Cortex uh, board, and um, it's it's all ready to go. And uh, I'm going to shoot to live video now, just so you can see. Now, you said twenty dollars. Twenty dollars U.S. Wow. Cha-ching. So I'm pretty sure that's uh, comp compliant. Absolutely. The uh, did I see by any chance, Mike, a uh, a buzzer on it? <laughs> a buzzer. Yeah, George, Tommy, you guys know anything where that might come in handy? Oh, no, I don't know. We don't ever use a buzzer. <laughs> uh, just just to note here, though, uh, if you do get the kit, I mean. It's it's pretty small. You can you can see uh, by the by the size of you know by comparison. I'm holding onto it with my hand. It's not very big, 
and everything's right inside there and they're all they're all part of one board you can take the board out but i'm i'm just wanted to mention that if you get the kit don't be too excited and rip the box apart because the box is actually kind of neat because it's got information on here uh it's not coming through on video too well but um it's got the uh, you know the the, the common language uh, reference for Arduino uh, right on the on the inner flap of the box, and if you open up the side of the box, you've got all these uh, nifty four pin connectors, and they're used to connect up to all of your uh, your modules. Yeah. So there's no soldering, uh, no breadboards, uh, nothing. You don't need anything uh, beyond this kit. And they even give you, on the other side of the box, they even give you the USB, micro USB cable to connect up to your computer. Um, and they even notched out the, the end of the box there. So you can leave it in the box, plug the USB cable in, and, and run it just like this. Um, and if you so want to... Uh, you, these modules uh, snap out. Um, just be, in mo- uh, be advised, though, once you snap them off, uh, they don't go back on. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I think I'm going to leave mine just as is, and uh, that way if, if I want to go away out to a park or something, or if I'm on holiday, all I have to do is pack, this up, pack up this little kit with my laptop, and away I go. Um, and uh, it's a it's a really interesting kit. Agreed. And uh, like I said, uh, the uh, the wiki should be up by the time we post this uh, episode. Oh wow! That, yeah, that is really neat. Pretty neat. Yeah, at twenty bucks, you know, seems like those things were a lot higher than that the first generation. Maybe I, I recall looking at them, but um, for some reason. I, if they were twenty dollars, I probably would have bought them. But I guess you had to buy them all separately previously. Yeah, the nice thing about dealing with a company like uh, DigiKey, I think it was two days. I ordered it on a Sunday, and I had it on the Tuesday morning. It's it's unbelievable. And as you know, these times, anything uh, you know, um, this is um, obviously from Asia. The kit was designed and, and produced in Asia, but. Uh, since DigiKey is stocking it, um, you can you can get it pretty quickly. Unlike uh, anything you ordered these days, takes a lot longer um, uh, in these last uh, several months um, because of the a current situation. Emil, is how does that fall on the uh, com compliant, the cheap old man compliance scale? Is that at the high end? Yes, or? it's it's uh, as in compliance. It's high because of all of. Those uh, sensors that are bundled with the Arduino, that's, uh, you know, those Grove connectors are becoming somewhat of a standard, too, because I, I was looking for uh, lightning strike-type sensors. Um, and sure enough, I wound up browsing and finding something very similar in an entire station where they are using the Grove connectors with all the different sensors. So I know uh, that's... Yeah, that's up there, Tommy. Now, Mike, I noticed another accessory. I don't think they included this because I know this would be $20 yeah. on its own. The, yeah. the engineering stick is not the included, unfortunately. Stick. Yeah, that that doesn't come with it, huh? <laughs> well, we've all got one. 
<laughs> How did that happen, huh? <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be. <laughs> Tommy's got to grab his engineering stick oh, now. It's over on the other side of the printer. I've got yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, great find there, Mike. Well, I um, I think it's an ideal thing, even for prototyping. If uh, if you've uh, got a design, um, rather than tearing this little kit apart, you can you can get all your software tweaked up and uh, um, and just uh, put it into an actual Arduino with the with the appropriate sensor as your finished product. But as a prototyping, uh, as a as a basic prototyping tool, it's kind of it's kind of interesting as well. It kind of reminds me of, uh, like I said, if not those P-Box kits from Radio Shack, maybe those snap circuits from uh, Alenco, um, yep. where everything's in the kit and you can build uh, various projects. And that's probably the biggest thing I miss about Radio Shack, all those science fair, uh, whatever. I think I still have one of the one of the old, uh, I'll have to pull out one of these days, one of the old uh, 201 kits. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In the, in the oh, plastic box. Yeah. You know, I used to spend hours staring at the pegboards and looking at the latest chips that they added and thinking, okay, what can I build with this? And I've still got some of them here that probably have not been opened yet. Probably belong in the box of incomplete dreams along with your P-Box. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I, I missed those days, but, you know, uh, this is, well, this is such as it is these days around. And not only is that kit good for uh, prototyping or experimenting, but it would be a good excuse to learn how to do some basic programming and learn how to talk to machines and, and you know, hardware, stuff like that. Because 20 bucks, a little inspiration, I could see somebody getting started with that. Absolutely, and I was I was surprised to find, even for that price, it's got a, a what is it a point nine six OLED display, uh, graphics display in it. Um, I mean, if you had to order one of those on its own, even um, oh, yeah. I'm not sure you could probably get them in quantity for for a lower price. But they're they're about seven dollars, I believe, uh, for single quantity pricing. Um, and then um, by the time you add an Arduino Uno onto that. Um, you're you're probably looking at least twenty dollars or more just for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Those guys at Sage Studios have some pretty neat stuff. Oh yeah. Well, Tommy, you have an email for tonight. It's it looks a little short here, but we do have a picture to go with it as well. So yeah, we have visual aids. What have you okay, got? Okay, well, I've, I got one. This in regards to my segment from last month. It's from uh, Elwood Downey, WB0OEW. He said, uh, Hi, Tommy. Many thanks for reviewing the ham clock on Amateur Logic 144. You did a great job showing how to build and run it. By the way, when you click on the map to set a new DX location, it will show the weather at that location. So I did make a comment about not having the weather, but it, it actually does, and you can see it on the screenshot. And he also uh, corrected me one other thing. He said uh, he forgot to mention to tell me that the ham clock will not run on a Pi Zero. It's not quite powerful enough. A three or four is fine, of course, but uh, the the zero is a little bit underpowered for it. 
But yeah. anyway, thanks, Elwood, for for sending the email. Appreciate that. And I have. A, appreciate I, your appreciate your work on that project. It's pretty fun. Up, have mine up. Oh, I forgot to turn my monitor on this morning. It's running back there. Actually, I I, I got my Pi clock running. Um, well, it's not running per se, but um, I just thought I would try it on my original Raspberry Pi uh, B which only had uh, 256 megs of RAM in it, and yeah. it seems to run okay. Really? The only yeah. problem I had was I was trying to use a wireless uh, keyboard, uh, the little dongle I was using. For some reason, it wasn't must not have been compatible, or it didn't have the driver, driver built in. So I ended up swapping it out with another one, and it works fine. Um, I was really surprised that even with Buster, it would run on the original Pi. Wow. Oh, interesting. We promised you more antennas, and no, the engineering stick does not classify as an antenna. <laughs> but you could hang one from it. Uh, I didn't try to load it up yet. Yeah, you one point five. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, it disappears. <laughs> yeah, it does if it's green, I'm, which I'm surprised this one is showing up. It's just a little, little just dark enough to get away with it here. Well. <laughs> Let's look at a few more antennas. Now, those we looked at it a moment ago were the ones that Ray called POTA, Parks on the Air. But here's a variety, SOTA. SOTA, yeah, Summits. Summits. This is a buddy pole antenna, the little kit that Ray showed us. It comes with all these pieces in there. It comes with the tripod, which collapses down pretty small. It's got the telescopic mast here as well. This one has two elements on it. It's got uh, a coil and a telescopic whip on each side. And these coils can be tapped right here, depending on what band you want to operate on. The instruction manual will tell you where to tap the coil. That also comes with some extra taps there. And how far to extend the telescopic element here, depending on what band you want to operate on. This will go from 40 meters to Two meters, actually. And for two meters, you probably don't even use a coil for that. Uh, the feed point of it right here, I believe it comes with the coax as well. There's a, a ferrite on here. And here's the matching section. And coming out of that, you got two very flexible, it looks like uh, good rubber there, connectors. Sort of like uh, mini banana plugs there, where you plug it in. You can feed each of the two elements right here if you're going for a horizontal style antenna. If you've got a whip coming out the top, you could feed up there. Uh, you know, whatever combination you got, there's several different ways that this can be configured. But that's all real quick to change up to set for the specific type of antenna you want to use the buddy pole for. When you've got things set up here, things tuned the way you want it. Then you just start erecting it by raising up the telescopic sections. This thing, I don't know the exact height of this, but it goes on up pretty quick and it collapses down to be pretty small as well. There are several ways that you can configure this antenna with one, two, or three whip and coil combinations. Three whips and coils to make an antenna that 
does both vertical and horizontal polarization. You can set it up with two as a sloper, or you could set it up two, uh, flat top across, just as a regular dipole. You could kind of set it up as an inverted V. Well, that's actually a V. You could set it up with one whip going up and one coming to the side. Uh, you could flip it around the other direction and go with the sloper in the other direction. Uh, you could also do uh, the opposite side and one vertical element there. There's a lot of different combinations and ways that you can configure this. This is more like a traditional buddy pole right here, except, you know, it's going to have a pretty good game with those telescopic whips and the two really variable coils there. We got another antenna from Buddy Pole here. This one's so new, I don't think it's even got a name yet. Out of all the ones we've seen here, this one kind of caught my interest because of the compactness of it. it. And it literally weighs nothing. It's probably, I don't know for sure, but I would say this is maybe six or eight ounces all together. Um, so you're not going to notice, notice this in your backpack. Now I believe this is a QRP rig and all these uh, aluminum elements just screw together like so and each one of these are sections and they go neatly in a bag to tune it we've got this uh, tuning system here that you can tap the coil in the right place based on the bands that you want and the one we've got here that I'm not sure if this is a production model or what I think she thinks it's a pre-production model but it comes with the long legs or these short legs that you can put under this little uh, triangle piece. If you want to sit it on your tabletop so you could use it indoors like that or on a picnic table or even sit it on the ground or a concrete slab or something. It comes with the coax cable. It's got a BNC connector right here. This one requires an elevated radial. I'm not sure if you can see it, but it's uh, strung across here and it's draped across those poles. It needs to stay up off the ground. But uh, it seems to perform really well. We played around with it earlier and I uh, was real happy with the performance of it, especially considering the size and the weight of it. And again, it's just amazing how light this thing is. Well, it's pretty fun seeing all the different antennas. Appreciate uh, getting the opportunity for that. I think you like this one the best. This was the Crank IR. Yeah, I mean, so this, I, was, this I one and this one are the Crank IR. I don't think that I would want to. Let's see, carry these two up the side of the mountain. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that, but I would take them from here to the vehicle over there in the parking lot yeah. in a heartbeat. Awesome field day. Oh, or, yeah. Or take them to the park or whatever. Great and quick and easy, changing yeah. different bands mm -hmm. on it. It's real flexible. Uh, it seemed like a pretty good performer, too. It should be. Yeah. Uh, this one was the, the Alpha mm -hmm. uh, FMJ. And I like this one a lot. I like the, it's pretty heavy. It's got a little, it's be, it's got that, a little weight to it. That tripod is. But but it's it's a solid antenna. Oh, and you oh, can yeah. pop that tripod out and stomp those three legs into the ground and have that thing on the air in no time. And, yeah. Uh, and it, it was a great performer as well. And then next over here, we got the little buddy pole. Uh, and I. The yeah. dipole buddy pole. I kind of like that one too. Yeah, I like the design of it. Yeah. I like the design and it was easy to put up. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one, uh, you know, if you were going backpack backpacking or whatever, this is more my style for going backpacking. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to take it easy. 
So the 705 and this antenna, that seems like a, a match for this guy right here. Okay. Uh, but anyway, this, they're all really nice. And uh, this one really goes together. It uh, kind of feeds my OCD where everything's all nice and neat in the bag. A place for everything and everything in its place. All nice and neat and tidy. Yep. You know, that's kind of like why I like to use pegboard. At a glance, you can tell if you're missing something. Yeah. Well, this is like the pegboard for your backpack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, that was it was fun to get to see those. Uh, it was. Pretty it cool was. stuff. And some of them, you know, they're not even actual real products yet, not for sale. Right. So that was nice to get the privilege to see that as well. Definitely. Anyway. And that's not all that we shot at LaFleur's Bluff State Park that day. Uh, if you look on the Amateur Logic uh, YouTube channel or on the most recent episode of Ham Nation, we showed some tests that we did there on doing tweaks to that IC705 to get the current down on it, to, to get maximum battery life out of it. And there's several things you can turn off in there that you don't necessarily need if you're out you know, trying to make contacts and stretch that battery life, you probably don't need to run a GPS continually. So you, you can shut that yeah, off a little you, more. You all turned that GPS off. What did it, it went below like 0.2. I saw that video. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it went down. So you can go check it out over there at the Amateurologic YouTube channel. And we shot more than that. We... uh we shot some playing around with that IC705. We didn't get Puerto Rico, but Tommy and I were sitting right there, and we we witnessed it. And you know, he busted a pile up with what ten watts. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was doing pretty good. Uh, but yeah, on time. When do you think that video may be available, and where we, may we find it, Tommy? I think it'll be on the uh, ICOM America YouTube channel, and I, I've sent it to Ray. Um, so look, I would look for it pretty soon. He didn't give me an exact date, but uh, I would think in fairly short order within maybe the next week or so. I would think. Okay, cool. I seem I seem to remember Ray keeping a pretty close eye on that radio when y'all were playing with it too. And he, he didn't did. he didn't take his eye off of it this time either. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, did, you didn't. didn't have a um, a mock-up of a you know box, you know, like you had for the seventy three hundred that you could have swapped out. <laughs> we should nope. we should have made one. We it's sure light enough, have. you probably wouldn't even noticed it <laughs> till you got home. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, we had a fun time, although it was really really hot, and you can tell a lot of my hair fell out. You know, later in the day there. Uh, I got a haircut yesterday. I think it's, what, 10 degrees cooler here now than it was last weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm due. I got some curly sticking on here. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, I was about to where I could start my ponytail back, you know, but uh, too hot. A lot of people have these ham crew shirts or D-Star crew or... Not many have got that one Tommy's wearing yet, or or, or email, you know. Uh, but uh, QRP crew. Don't be this cheap. 
No, no. Go get the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> but what if you haven't got one of these shirts to wear to the next ham fest, Mike? What's a fella to do? If you didn't have a shirt, one of these? <laughs> Any shirt. A, shirt. <laughs> a ham fest shirt. Oh, okay. Well, you could go to uh, Spreadshirt um, and to the Amateur Logic store and pick out a good one. Yeah, amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com, you mean? That's the one. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good job, Mike. <laughs> yeah. He gets, he gets the cheap award. Well, I mean, I even thought he was going to say, if you don't have a shirt, just go on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> If you wanted to catch up with us and find out what's been going on, well, email looks like the, the guy who's got that kind of thing on his mind yeah. right now. You got all the answers? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I'll start from the bottom. I'm, I'm going to say the groups.io G Amateur Logic because I was uh, playing around there earlier today when you sent the um, message out. You get those uh, via email and uh, even go onto their little web uh, interface they have there, so you can catch us there. Yep. Good place. You, can, you can also follow us on Twitter at Amateur Logic. Yep. And Ham College yep. as well. Yep. Yep. And uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. Yep. So all places you might run across us during the month. Uh, also, we mentioned as long as we're here, our wiki, this is where you can get the show notes. It's the uh, amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Show notes there for episodes of Amateur Logic and Ham College. Just one other thing, George. Um, since we're, we're talking about uh, links and things, just tell the folks, if, like, like the fellow that uh, uh, sent us in his uh, uh, ham clock project uh, via email, uh, maybe if, if someone... Uh, decides to build something interesting with their uh, Grove beginner kit for Arduino, um, send us a picture or two and, and a short email, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. And you can join us around the middle of next month for the next Amateur Logic. And let's see, that will be, that will be August. I don't know what we'll be doing then. But no. I know something that we're going to probably announce on that one, so you don't want to miss it. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I remember now. Yeah, you do want to be there because we've got uh, got a good announcement coming up. Something you may want to get in on. So with that, I don't know. Let's go around the horn real quick on the way out. Uh, Tommy, any final thoughts for our audience tonight? No, appreciate everybody joining us again. Email any any final thoughts from down there? Yeah, yeah. Stay cool. Don't let the heat get you. Plenty of good advice online at the uh, NWS, and and of course we're still in hurricane season, so keep an eye out from the NHC what they're putting out there, and uh, stay ready, right? Just in case they need us uh, ham radio operators and equipment. Just be ready. East Coast states and the Gulf Coast states, you know, it's always something. Yeah. And what about up north there, Mike? Well, I'm just looking at this uh, partial spool of half-inch heliacs that's calling my name. And on top of that, there's uh, wow, some that was... nice some nice end connectors that were cheap 
cheap old man compliant that I've cleaned up. So I'm I'm getting ready to uh, to put those on, and hopefully I can get <laughs> I can get my uh, my new antenna. I've got a well, it's not it's new to me, but it's a used antenna, and it's a uh, I'm not can't remember the model now. It's a Comet antenna, and it's a um, has quite a bit of gain. Gain. It's for seventy centimeters, and I hope to get at it up about forty feet in the air uh, as soon 70 as seventy only. I'm sorry? 70 only? Just uh, 70 only. Yeah, I have a GP15 up there now, and um, oh. I'm using the 70-centimeter portion of that, and I'm hoping to free it up uh, for, for my HF rig, which has transverter modules for uh, uh, 6, uh, 2, and, uh, and 440. So um, that's, that's the plan anyway, and then uh, the repeater will go on, on its own uh, common antenna um by itself cool Ooh. yeah i've got a gp9 i like it i thought you didn't do antenna work up there mike till it got good and frozen <laughs> well you know what <laughs> i start i started in november if that counts okay and uh i just well <laughs> i could use this as an excuse i had this spool of heliacs in my shed and the snow kind of piled up in front of the shed so it was at least until mid-april before i could even get in the shed because of the snow that was blocking the doors so uh, that kind of kind of put me off and um yeah uh tower climbing weather for sure is is anywhere from i would say mid-december to uh uh, (laughs) mid-march okay all right well Thanks for being here with us tonight, everyone. We uh, had a good time, enjoyed it, and we will see y'all here again next month. Seven three. Yep. Seven three. Seven three. Seven three. Well, I think you should enter the uh, the weekly or the sorry the biweekly uh, contest on or actually it's a monthly contest. This is a new dragonfly antenna Icon's been working on. Ray brought one over to show us. <laughs>